Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It is, wow, just a real honor to be with you today. Um, Wow. Eight years ago, almost to the day, uh, I stood here before you for the last time in a similar way that my dear brother and your pastor is going to do today. And uh, Mike, I'm just so honored to be with you on this day and, um, and blessed to be a part of what is going on here as we consider this incredible work that the Lord has called us to in His kingdom. And I just want to say a couple opening remarks about that. Uh, first, before I do, though, I want to thank the band. Would you join me in thanking the band and Stefan and, and all the leadership and the guys? Man, this is super, super honor for me to be able to play and to sing and join you today. So thanks for letting me up on stage again. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could go through a lot of stories about this stage, but we won't go there. Uh, super, super honored and thankful to Pastor Tim for giving me this opportunity and the way it worked out, and uh, grateful for the folks at Trinity and my brother, Pastor Gene, who's uh, covering for all of my duties back at Trinity. Uh, very, very grateful to have this opportunity, and one of the reasons why is because I wanted to tell you what has happened in eight years. In eight years, a lot of things have changed. In fact, yesterday, uh, my twins, my twins, you may remember the little ones that were running around, uh, they turned 21 yesterday. And uh, one of them is here. One of them is here. Uh, this Jacob's here with us. Uh, but I want to show you my family. Uh, this is my family. Uh, there, there we are, the singers, and uh, for those of you who don't know us, uh, we've got, uh, of course, my, in the front there to the left is my daughter Hannah, and Rachel's in the middle. We've got Jacob there on the right, Benjamin is twin on the far right, and Caleb poking his head up there through the middle looking like a bandit, and, uh, and then, of course, my beautiful wife, Jeanette, uh, who together we served here at St. John's for 18 years, and uh, we're, for those of you who don't know, and we were just very, very grateful for our time here and uh, love so many of you. It's just been emotional already today. I've already lost my voice having a wedding yesterday and, and talking to so many people and catching up. And I know we're going to get a chance to do that today. I'm very, very grateful for that. But one of the things that's happening in the world right now, obviously, as we get through that pandemic is that uh, there's a big shift that's going on. And, and you guys are experiencing that here at St. John's. I just want to assure you, you're not alone. It is happening throughout the entire kingdom of God right now. We have parishioners who are mixing uh, churches going to other churches. We have uh, worship leaders who are going to new places. We have pastors who are going to new places. Uh, we have a pastor in our, our congregation, associate pastor, who just took a call to Indiana. And uh, there is this shift going on. Um, but what I hope to bring to you today, not only on top of that, is to realize that whatever shift you might be experiencing, not just here at church, but whatever shift you might be experiencing in your life, I want to assure you today that there's reason for hope. There's reason for hope and there's reason for what is happening. Now, when we moved and we left here eight years ago, believe me, it was a, it was a big thing. It was a big trip. And I still remember it was December of 2012 when I got a phone call and I was driving on the 55, which is great to say because in Texas, they never say the. 
um, they always look at me like, why do you say the 45? It's 45. And I'm like, well, no, is that the speed limit? Or is that, no, they say, no, no, it's, it's, you don't say the. And I'm like, no, in California, we do say the. So there's been a lot of adjustments and a lot of things. And it's been great living in Texas. It's been fantastic. One of the things that I enjoy about Texas, of course, is that I don't have to do what I did yesterday when I got here and drop $80 into my gas tank. Um, yeah, that, that's really, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll be praying for all of you. So, uh, but I wanted to show you where, uh, where we moved to, because a lot of people, like I, when I got that phone call in 2012, we had no idea. Klein, Texas, where is that? So this is Houston, and what you're seeing there is a map of actually Harris County. Harris County is the third largest county in the United States behind Cook County, Illinois, and Los Angeles. It covers about 1,700, almost 1,800 square miles. And if you see that little red circle up there, that's where Klein is, or more commonly known as Spring. In fact, uh, we kind of have an identity problem there because we're not sure if we're Klein or Spring. But in our actual zip code, that is, uh, was established by the same founding uh, fathers who established Trinity. And the Klein name is very, very important to that community. Well, we moved there to Klein, Texas. And when we got there, uh, there were a lot of new things to experience. And you might have heard the phrase that everything's bigger in Texas. And I just want to tell you that's true. Uh, first of all, the sky is incredibly big. It's one of the things that we love about Texas. It is a big blue sky. It is gorgeous. It is great. Um, also, uh, one of the things that maybe is not so great but is also big are the bugs. Uh, Randy Einem, you remember Randy Einem. Uh, Randy, when I got ready to take that call and began to get ready, uh, Randy mentioned to me that one of the things I should be ready for is to get a saddle for the cockroaches. He, he told me they actually fly too. So uh, that's true. There's a lot of big bugs there. But another big thing that we went through and encountered in our time thus far in our journey was a big storm. Uh, we went through a lot of big storms in Texas, and the thunder was big, the rainstorms were big, the ice storms were big, everything was big, uh, but nothing like what happened on August 27th, 2017. I had woken up that morning, and I was planning to uh, put on my final touches on a message that we were going to live stream to our congregation. And the reason why we were going to live stream it is because there was going to be nobody in the church because we canceled services because Hurricane Harvey was bearing down on Texas. When my wife had finished her grading very late in the night and came to bed, uh, she told me later that the water had just been in the gutters. In fact, on Saturday, as the rain started to come in from Harvey, it just seemed like a normal Texas storm. There really wasn't anything to it. It wasn't ferocious. It just was kind of this misty rain almost. And so we thought, ah, this is probably just going to be one of those things that it's not going to turn out and pan out to be what it, everybody's saying it's going to be. And we were hoping. But when I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and I flipped on the front lights to look out, uh, I was troubled to see the fact that water was already up into our front yard, which meant that it was very deep already in the street as we lived a little bit higher up on that street. And so I went in and I told Jeanette, I said, honey, we got to get out of here. We had just bought a brand new 2017 Ford Explorer. And I said, we got to get out of here because I'm worried about the car. And... Um, <laughs> And she said to me, she said, um, it's too late. Now, she had been there through the tax flood, and they actually evacuated through the tax flood, which wasn't as bad as Harvey, not even close, but certainly um, they walked out through water during that. I happened to be in St. Louis for a conference at that time. And so she was explaining to me, she's like, it's already too late. You can't go. You can't do it. Which, guys? I started thinking, I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I might be able to do it. 
But then I started thinking about it like, yeah, but I'll be the only idiot who just drove a brand new car into floodwater and has it sitting there in the middle of the street, right? So I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I won't do that. So what do we do? And I said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to start putting tape and sandbags out. And so I woke my boys up. Ben and Jake were still at home at the time. And we started putting sandbags up and started putting plastic up and all of this. Now, keep in mind that prior to this, one of the things that ramps this up for us is that going into Saturday, it was probably about Wednesday when it dawned on me that we hadn't gotten a generator. And uh, that dawned on me because my wife asked me for probably the 400th time, did you get the generator? And uh, I said, no. And she said, we need to get one. I said, really? She said, yeah, we need to get one. So I said, okay. So I start calling around and nobody has a generator. And I was like, are you serious? How do you, how do you like run out of generators? Like, is that a thing? Like, yeah, they were gone. And I remember I was scrambling around on Saturday morning trying to get a generator, and I had called around and found that they were going to be delivered at one location. When I got there, it was a small store. There were 20 people in line. And I said, this is not going to be good. And so I happened to call Lowe's down the road. They told me they had a shipment that just came in that morning. They wouldn't reserve it for me, and they were literally selling them off the crate in the front of Lowe's. I got down there as quick as I could. I grabbed one of those generators. I called Jeanette and I said, hey, um, good news, I, I got a generator. And she said, did you get gas? <laughs> Let me get gas. So I went to go get gas. And as I went to go get gas, um, it was the craziest thing. I pulled up, everybody's pumping gas, and all of a sudden a guy comes up to me and says, I'm sorry, uh, we're closed, you can't get gas here. I said, what do you mean? He says, yeah, we're, we're out of gas. I said, what do you mean you're out of gas? This was like bizarre to me. I'd never even thought about this as being a reality. And uh, sure enough, I went to three more gas stations and they were all closed. They were all putting yellow tape out. They were pe keeping people out of the gas stations. I called Jeanette. I said, we're in trouble. There's something crazy going on. I think maybe Jesus is coming back. I think this might be it. And she said, well, I've got, I've got worse news for you. I just went to the grocery store to get some bread that we need. And the shelves are literally empty. It felt like Armageddon. And we started scrambling. So all of our anxiety started to rise. Fast forward to Saturday. We're on Saturday. It's just a light storm. We get to Sunday. We see the water coming up. I'm now putting plastic and sandbags out with my boys. We're moving my car, brand new car, into the garage. We're trying to move some stuff upstairs. And then we have this family moment where we're trying to decide, are we going to stay or are we going to go? And the water kept coming. The water just kept coming up. It kept getting higher and higher. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Come on, God. All I need is I just need a little break. I just need you to hold that water up. Just, just blow that storm a little this way or a little that way. But please, Lord, you know, don't, don't let this water hit my house. And as we're sitting there, uh, it was a really fun family meeting. Um, we had kind of half of us that wanted to stay and another half that wanted to go. And um, then we had Ben. And Ben, if you remember Ben, Ben was like, guys, we need to eat. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, all right. So Ben runs in and he keeps yelling at us to eat. I'm like, Ben, we need to get ready for this storm, son. And uh, my son Jacob becomes the gazelle and he starts moving the most important things that we own, electronics, upstairs. And so we start moving some of that stuff upstairs. About the time my wife walked into our bedroom and she screamed. She stepped down on the carpet and was sopping wet. And she screamed, Chris, it's coming through the floor. I turned to go get the uh, important papers. And as I turned to go across the tile, I almost ate it. And I looked over my hand. And over my hand, I could see the water beginning to flow over my fingers. And I said, it's in here too. And I said, guys, we're getting out of here. And so we began to put electronics into Ziploc. We began to get our bags. 
we began to get whatever we could to begin to walk out. By this time, the water on our back door was coming up probably about a foot, and I still remember the sickening feeling of opening that door, and all of a sudden, all the water start rushing into our house. We got out of the house, and we had to walk alongside very closely to all the lines of houses because we couldn't. The flow was too strong in the street. And we had to walk all of our way, probably about three and a half blocks, to a place where some people of our congregation were there to pick us up. And they asked us, they said, where do you want to go? And um, we were just in shock. We didn't know, but we just, we just kind of felt like we needed to be alone. And I said, just take us to the church. So they took us to the church, and I want to show you where we landed. Uh, we landed right here in the church. That's actually on the very day. And uh, that's a picture that Jeanette took of the three of us walking in. And that's pretty much all we had. We had the clothes on our back and we had those bags. Now, let me tell you one of the ironic things. Uh, just two weeks before this, I had just stood before our brand new nursery to dedicate our nursery. And here's the irony. Guess what the nursery was called? There it is. Yeah. Uh, and I walked in and I saw that and I was like, wow, really? Well, here's what Harvey did. Harvey began to rage over Houston. And take a look at these stats. Houston began to get hit by Harvey, and two feet of rain fell in the first 24 hours. There was a trillion gallons of rain that dumped onto Houston, which could have run Niagara Falls for 15 days. That's how much water we're talking about. A third of Houston went underwater, and there were 39,000 people that were forced out of their homes. That's half of Tustin. We're just forced out of their homes. And I'm going to tell you, it had a huge effect on us personally. Uh, this is what our house looked like. You see the top picture before. And this is actually, um, this is very, this is probably halfway through. The rain hasn't even stopped falling yet. And this is halfway through. The water actually went up to 51 inches, uh, which is a little bit higher than this. But you can see, you can't see the pool. Uh, you can't see really much of anything. Inside, uh, here's what was happening inside. Uh, this was a picture that we got. My son Benjamin had actually gotten back into our neighborhood on a jet ski. And he got in on a jet ski with another parishioner, and they got into the house, and he was looking for um, just some important things that he wanted to get. And uh, he walked into, or he got into the house, and as he was there in the house, uh, he had seen a picture of my mother, who had passed away uh, just a couple years before, floating in the water. And I remember that Ben was just really shook by all of that. Um, when we uh, eventually landed at a parishioner's house, they took us in. And they were just so very gracious, uh, just a great, great group of people. And they, they took us in, and we settled in there. But, of course, you know what it's like staying somewhere where you're not supposed to be. It's not really your home, but we were there. And it was, I think, that first night that it really began to sink in for us. It was about 2.30 in the morning. I was kind of exhausted. I'd fallen asleep pretty well. And um, I woke up to 2.30 in the morning to my wife sitting up in bed next to me and just sobbing. And I asked her, I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, the baby videos, they were downstairs. We didn't get those upstairs. And, you know, it's, a, it's such a little thing, but such a meaningful thing, right? I mean, there's so much history and so many videos. So I'm actually here to ask if anybody has any videos of our kids. Uh, <laughs> Now, I'm not just here to tell you the story. I want to I really make this a part of what I really came here to do is I want you to hear this story, but I want you to hear this for you because I want to turn us really quickly to Ephesians, and, and I want you to look at our text. 
And I just want to kind of zoom in on these words. And I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I want to ask you, do you get that? I mean, do you really get it? I mean, I don't, I'm not asking you if you get that here. I'm not asking for church and Sunday school right now. You say, yep, we get that. Okay, good. I'm asking, do you get it here? Do you get this here? Because that is exactly where we want to go today. Because the truth is, is that it is really hard to grasp the love of God when the floodwaters are rising in your life. And some of you are going through that. As I've been talking with some of you uh, just over the last 24 hours, I've heard about the hurt. I've heard about sickness. I've heard about frustrations. I've heard about so many things that each of you uniquely bring into this auditorium today. First, I want to tell you, you're not alone. But I also want to remind you that as you come in here today, I understand that it is a very real thing to really grasp how deep and wide and long, how wide is that love of Christ when those floodwaters in your life are rising. Four days later, when we got into our home, this is what we arrived to. The picture on the left is actually our bed. It's actually still made. It was, we made our bed, thankful for that, and, uh, and it floated. It was an air mattress, and so it actually floated with the water. So what was crazy was that the bottom part of the bed was ruined, but the top was perfectly dry and made. It was just the craziest thing. But there was so much pressure and power in that water and in those waves that look what it did to my house. I mean, it literally just looked like somebody went through and then just started pulling stuff off the walls. That refrigerator was full of food. We thought we were going to hunker down through this hurricane. It was full of food, and it got lodged like that. And you see up there, you see a cabinet that had just been pulled off the floor. Uh, two weeks later, as we began the clean-out, which was incredibly painful, when we got to the clean-out, this is what uh, our front yard looked like. And that's just the left side. That pile is equally as high on the right side. That's my daughter Hannah standing out there in front after two weeks of us just ripping, just ripping stuff and taking our stuff out to the street. I was standing there at the street, and I was standing there looking at all my stuff. And I got to tell you that I, I kept asking God that question, God, wh why is this happening? What is going on? Are you there? What, what's going on here? What, what is this? And I kind of was reminded, I, I, this is just stuff. That's all it is. My family's safe. That's what really matters, right? And you start trying to console yourself with all the things that we try to console ourselves when you go through something painful. But I got real in that moment with God. And I said, God, I get that. I get it that this is just stuff. But God, I got to tell you, that was my stuff. A lot of that stuff was stuff you gave to me. Why are you taking it away? Why does it have to be gone? That next Sunday in church, we were singing a hymn that you might remember. It's a hymn I grew up singing as a kid. It was called Children of the Heavenly Father. And we got to this verse. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. His loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy. I've sung this hymn a million times. When I got to this verse and I was standing in the front row of our congregation, I lost it because I realized that was the answer to my question. God was doing this and leading me into this difficult time because he wanted to preserve me pure and holy. 
The stuff didn't matter. The house didn't matter. The hardship itself didn't even matter. What mattered most was that I put my trust and faith completely in Christ. I want to say that again. And I put my faith and trust completely in Christ, even when there's no bottom. Even when I'm about to take a step and I don't know what that next step is going to really land like, it's, it's really the opportunity for me to learn to trust Him. And I got it. And I said, okay, I, I realize that there's some stuff in my life that needs to be washed away. And so, okay, God, I'm going to go on this journey. And man, am I so thankful. Am I so thankful today that He took me on that journey? How do you make it through those times when the floodwaters are rising, when things in your life are just so painful and are so hurtful, and you're looking at God wondering if He left you on the side of the road, when you're looking around and saying, how does any of this make sense? How do we go through this? Well, the key is in our text in Ephesians. I want you to look back at that verse. Look at that verse there, and you hear these words, and I pray that you being rooted, established in love may have power, here it is, together together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's the key. That's the key in our scripture, is that we are to try and grasp God's love in our individual lives, but not as a solo gig. We are to grasp that unique great love that Jesus has given to us. We are to begin to grasp that and comprehend that in the context of many which means that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the things that you may be missing in your life is if you are isolated from other Christians. And don't we, and haven't we learned a lesson on isolation? Hell. Hell on earth. Except for the introverts. The introverts are like, hey man, that was pretty cool. Got a chance to not have to talk to anybody. That's fantastic. But that's not true discipleship. True discipleship happens together. And while your unique journey, while your storm may be unique to you, it is not unique in the sense of the entire kingdom of God. All of creation, Romans says, is groaning and struggling because we're waiting for the resolution. We're waiting for that resolve when Christ will appear again, when dead bodies will be raised up out of the grave and they will be given new bodies and the judgment will happen and all those who believe in Jesus will be welcomed into God's kingdom. And it is there where there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more cancer, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more guilt, there'll be no more shame. You know those things that just kind of keep grinding on you, those habits that you have a hard time changing? You may even call them addictions, those things that you just can't seem to get over and be victorious over. There is coming a day when together with all of the saints, we will be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And I got to tell you, being here today, I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait to see y'all. Dude! See, I go both ways. I got both things going on. California, Texas. Dude! I can't wait to see y'all. And in Texas, we'd actually say, because y'all is an indistinct number, we'd actually say all y'all. So I'm really excited to see all y'all in heaven one day. 
because we're going to get to do this over and over and over again, be together and tell the stories of God's victory. You see, we are on a journey together to grasp this great, incredible God that we have. And I want to thank you. The reason I'm so excited to be here today and honored to be here is I want to thank you, St. John's. I want to thank you. Yeah, we can clap for that. Clap for yourselves because this is... You guys get it. And from Trinity Klein Lutheran Church, I want to bring to you a great word of thanksgiving. Thank you. Because you didn't forget God's people in need. Together with all of the saints. You see, church is so much bigger than these four walls. There's a great big kingdom up here. We are one speck here in orange. Got another speck in Klein. Got another speck in Virginia. Together. Together we are. And that's amazing. That's amazing. And St. John's, you rose to the occasion. You see the picture there of faces that, oh my gosh, was it just so good to see those faces there in Texas. You're actually seeing a crew there. Uh, that crew was from Orange Lutheran up there taking out the tile in my house, which I just felt so bad asking them to do. Uh, but man, they work so hard. And uh, God just did some amazing things. He did some great things. And I want you to look back at this, this verse. Look back at our text, Ephesians 3.20. We read these words. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Guys, here's great news, and here's where the hope is. Our hope is in Christ, because in Christ, there are great things still yet to come. There are great things yet still to come for us, and we have not even begun to begin to see the majesty and the glory of Christ. We're seeing just snippets. We're seeing just glimpses, but there is coming a day where we're going to see it in full, and right now, we get a chance to live in the present by looking forward into that future and saying, I know there's something that God is going to do great, and let me just tell you that we can look back throughout all of history, all the way through back to Genesis, and we see that's exactly what God is doing. God is always moving. God is always working for the benefit of his people. And even through the storms of life, God is still working for you. And God did some great things for us. In fact, take a look at this video. It was the largest hurricane to hit the United States in over a decade, killing more than 80 people, displacing tens of thousands more and racking up nearly $200 billion in damages. But amid disaster, a glimmer of hope. In Spring, Texas, as Hurricane Harvey was wreaking havoc, Pastor Chris Singer jumped into action and opened his church's doors, making Trinity Klein Lutheran a safe haven for those with no home, including its own pastor. That was very painful. You just see all your stuff and you're realizing how much you've lost. There's not much we could do about our own home. So the next logical thing for us was, well, let's make sure that we help people. <laughs> the community of Northern Houston answered the call. By the end of that first day, uh, we had approximately 75 volunteers already working and serving. That number growing to over 400. We had neighbors right across the street come over and say, how can we help? Today, the floodwaters have receded, the recovery beginning, and the volunteers still coming. Money can only go so far, and felt like I had the time and I had the skills, and this was just the right time to 
come down here and help out. Trinity Clark has pledged to help rebuild 50 homes in the Houston area. I'm not positive what all I've lost, but I've certainly gained a lot of friends. I've certainly gained a lot of fellowship with my church. Fellowship and a spirit of community. Neighbors helping neighbors return home again, however long it takes. We're not at that point where we're able to say we can't help anymore. So every opportunity we get to be able to be empowered to help other people, we've chosen at this moment to say we're going to continue doing that. And God did do some great things. He sent nearly 5,000 volunteers that we got a chance to house, including St. John's, Orange Lutheran. So many churches from around the United States came together. Uh, we, we pledged to build and rebuild 50 homes, but what God did through some of the great gifts and some of the financial support, including the financial support we received from y'all, is we got an opportunity to rebuild over 200 homes. Yeah, praise God. It was amazing. And that's because of Christ. That's because of Christ. That's what Christ does. You see, in Christ, we're not just rebuilding homes, we're rebuilding hearts. That's what Christ does. That's what this is all about. Today, um, we, we got an opportunity to celebrate uh, not only the fact that we started a food pantry, and that food pantry uh, before Harvey, uh, we were basically handing sack lunches to folks when they came as kind of some emergency food. But since Harvey, it has opened up a brand new ministry for us called Restoring Hope. And I am so proud of our congregation and the way that they have worked and partnered with so many people. Um, last year, we fed 32,000 people. This year, we are set on target to feed 50,000 people. And, and again, that's all praise and thanks to God and to our partnerships, God's kingdom. We're doing amazing things. God is doing that in a fantastic way. Uh, just three quick little, uh, little vignettes is we had a woman who was a Muslim. Um, she was more Muslim in culture, I think, than her understanding. But after being in her house uh, for a month and a half, uh, she came to Christ and she was baptized. We had another man who was um, absolutely, uh, he had never been baptized. He had a vague kind of idea about what God is. Again, our volunteers were inside that house for two weeks. He got baptized. We had another woman who had actually left the church. She was angry with the church. She was resentful with, for the church. And um, after seeing the volunteers show up in her grandmother's home, she repented of that resentment, realizing that she's the church, realizing that she was the one who needed to move. And she repented, and she is back in church and one of our faithful volunteers today. You know, together, as I close, we can grasp this amazing love of God in Jesus. And I want to show you the last verse here that we close in on, Ephesians 3.21. And glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Pastor Mike and I, uh, I know that we are of the same milk in this, and we'll tell you, and Pastor Tim will tell you, all your pastors will tell you, it is not about us. It never can be. If it is, it's going to get washed away. But it's only those things that are built on the rock. It's only those things that have that firm foundation in Christ, and the same is true in your life. And I want to tell you that if you're going through a storm, and if things are shifting, I want to remind you today to put your faith in Christ. Lean in to it. 
Don't back away from it. Lean into the experience because Jesus is working in your heart, even through the pain, to teach you something that you need to learn, to show you things that perhaps maybe without that hardship you would never see. And I will tell you this about the love of Jesus. I declare this about the Lord, that the Lord is my refuge. He is a safe place. He is my God and I will trust in Him. And this is what I believe. That no matter how wide that problem is for you, you may not have been able to figure out how to get around it. I'm telling you that Jesus is still working in your life and he will show you a way. He will show you a way either around it or he will show you a way to endure it. He will eventually show you a way through it. And it doesn't matter how tired you are and how exhausted you are in a relationship. Perhaps there's a relationship that has taxed you and you feel like you are at your wit's end. You feel like you just can't take another step. I promise you, if you go to Jesus, you're going to find enough love to take another step. And he's going to take you farther than any amount of love that you could have manufactured on your own. He's going to take you farther still. And I'm going to tell you this, that no matter how high, no matter how high it seems that those waters are rising, remember what the scriptures say, that Jesus is the rock that is higher still. And on him, those flood rudders will not sweep you away. And finally, if you are stuck in a pit, if you are in such a rut, and you don't feel like there's any way that you're going to have a possibility of getting out, you need to hear those words, that out of the slimy pit, God raises those up, and he places their feet on a firm foundation and puts them back on a path that comes through repentance. Don't walk away from God. Run to Him. Run to Him with everything you have, with reckless abandon. Run to Christ and say, I don't have it. I don't have that kind of love. I can't manufacture that kind of love. And I need to grasp how wide and long and far and deep is your love for me. And then hear me clearly. Realize that you are the church. Not this name not these walls, not another name. You are the church. You are beloved. Your ministry is our ministry. Whatever God has you in, whatever storm He has you in, He's preparing you for a ministry and a calling on your life. Lean into it and share that with one another so that together, so that together we can grasp how wide, how long, how far, how deep, how wide is the love of Jesus Christ. Amen?